Like every day is important because there's a finite number of days. And that if you did live forever, it would kind of be boring. Like nothing would really be special because you'll run across it again sometime. Welcome back to another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And your esteemed guests today for the podcast are going to be us. You're lucky. Today you get both of us. But we were very intentional about what we wanted to set aside time to talk about today. You know, we are in Easter week Mm -hmm. and we both happen to read a book called For Small Creatures Such As We, Sasha Sagan. That is Carl Sagan's daughter, in case you didn't know. (laughs) But it's about establishing rituals not necessarily tied to religion. You can, absolutely, but it's really just an examination of rituals across a variety of different cultures. Yes. And I read this book probably, I think it came out maybe 2019. I read it after COVID and I really needed it after COVID because I am not particularly religious. I don't go to church or do anything like that. And I think for a lot of people, there was a huge like societal upset and it felt more important than ever to like denote the passing of time and kind of try to be more like thoughtful and mindful when you are experiencing things and also you know the the fear of death and shuffling off the mortal coil was closer than ever so this was the perfect book to read it is also a novella well not a novella because it's not a novel but it's very Uh, short very short and sprightly read. I listened to the audiobook originally and then I reread it on the Kindle version. And I think you also read the audiobook, yeah? I did. I have two dogs, so I spend so much time walking <laughs> that I actually get a lot of my reading done by listening while I'm walking with them. And this one was delightful. I thought it was very conversational. It felt very organic. It felt a lot like someone talking to you about things that they're picking up but you ran into a a, a little bit of a snag with the audiobook I yes yes the audiobook is delightful and it does feel like you're just I don't know pulling up a chair with a bestie and having an in-depth conversation which is great but she references so many different cultures and so many different celebrations of either like significant life events or the passage of a different season mm-hmm. that I wanted to make some notes before coming into this recording to talk about like some of the specific rituals that she mentioned. And I couldn't remember any of them because it just all flowed so naturally. And yes. she mentions so many. You'll have maybe a mention of moon or light or like literally a vague concept And she'll list 10 rituals all across the world that have something to do with it. And that's fantastic because it does feel very natural. But at the same time, like you, I kind of got to the end and went, that was great. What did she say again? (laughs) Yes. So in retrospect, I may end up buying a copy of the the physical book so that I can go back and look up some of these rituals because she glosses over them very lightly. You know, you're Mm -hmm. just getting a sprinkling of variety here. And it's more to mention the part that rituals take in other societies and other cultures and less to like prove it's important or or something which is why she doesn't dwell on it too much but it is really interesting to see a lot of these we might have a little bit of like a oh gosh what is it is it like a consensus bias or something it's something like that oh yeah but it feels like she's mentioning so many rituals that are very similar like so many like either religious or cultural ceremonies 
that fall along the same time that I never realized were like that. And one that is super obvious to people is like Halloween, you know, Dia de los Muertos, like there are different kinds of like remembering the dead type of like traditions in different places, but she lists even more than I've I had yes. never heard of. Yes. And and you get that kind of mirror across different societies, which is really interesting. But she also kind of takes it away from that because this isn't a religious book. It's a book about ritual. So she takes it further back and she says, like, well, why would people celebrate this at this time of the year? And, and either it's the changing of the season, which this book is outlined by season and also kind of special occasion. Yes. <laughs> and also the idea that important important like astronomical events are obviously going to be similar across the world or even biological events i felt like a lot of this could be traced back to natural or biological phenomena yes and that was really interesting all the scenarios the types of things that surrounded she had her own tradition that she started with her daughter when the first bloom appeared on the tree outside the kitchen window but you also saw that in all these other traditions that she was referencing like the first year of corn or the first like any any pivotal crop yes (laughs) basically the first time they see it coming back to life after winter having this sort of celebration to be like the long dark is over we've reached the light again (laughs) but just kind of in general i wanted to see what you thought about the book because i did recommend it and this one feels like a pretty safe bet to recommend to people yes it does feel very overwhelmingly positive yes so It, it, it is very much even in the bad there's good so if you need that kind of book this is the right one (laughs) Yes. And you know, it is interesting. I also am not religious and there is a certain amount that you crave rituals, at least some connection to whether it be your ancestors or to your family line Mm -hmm. in some way. And learning how to separate the two of them and still find ways to acknowledge the natural world, the friendships that you share, or Mm -hmm. even like your close relationships is a need that I don't think is expressed very often in the non-religious communities. So I feel like it was really well captured by a lot of her different chapters. One of my favorites was one where she was talking about monthly rituals. Mm -hmm. So most people, if they are involved in some sort of church, they usually meet on a regular basis. And that's Mm -hmm. a way to kind of reinforce your community within that faith. And so she recognized that she had this need and she decided to create the Ladies Dining Society (laughs) as a way to bring all of her friends together and also have them meet each other because there was a chance if she found them awesome that they'd find each other awesome too. Mm -hmm. So it was this wonderful way to celebrate community and friendship in a way that was unique and I don't know, very affirming. I, there were so many interesting things that she talked about. One thing that was really, was something that I really enjoyed. uh, She talked about like a uh, wedding traditions and things like that. And she mentioned, you know, I'm not a very religious person. I'm also, you know, not very traditional, but there are things that she like clung to that she never expected to want to continue. Things that maybe she didn't fundamentally agree with, but that hold a significant, like, place in your mind. One of them was, like, you know, walking down the aisle. She was like, obviously, I don't think (laughs) fathers are giving their daughters away. And there is a long, long history behind that that maybe I don't support. But at the same time, it's this symbol of moving on to a new chapter in your life. And it's something that she wasn't able to do because her father did pass away because that plays a huge role in this. She was never raised with 
religion. It wasn't like frowned upon in her household, but at the same time, at no point did her father or mother tell her, maybe it's true. They were like, we don't have any proof that it is. (laughs) At one point, Sasha asks her parents about the afterlife and both of them in unison very cheerily tell her, well, we don't know. And Mm -hmm. that is the most true to them answer that they could give that question. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of this theme of not knowing or not necessarily believing because she she walks a very fine line in that she is answering things I don't know. She's not saying it doesn't exist. She's just saying I have no proof that it does exist. So right now, I don't know. And that felt very refreshing because I feel like it's it's such a not easier answer. It's honest. It's honest. And it doesn't feel like challenging one way or another. It just feels like I don't know because I don't have proof. I'm just kind of doing the best I can. Yeah. And and I really appreciated that. But like we said, the book is divided spring, summer, fall, winter. Yeah. That also kind of coincides with important things that are symbolically related to those times of the year. Spring, birth, you know, things like that. Summer was kind of like celebration and, you know, enjoying life. It was also like rites of passage and yes. adolescence and mm-hmm. puberty. <laughs> and then we have autumn or fall. And that was... Kind of a transitional period and then winter, obviously. (laughs) Death, darkness, all the symbolic things that come with winter, but also the celebrations. It was really it was really nice to have that context of like how dark the world is, but how reaffirming it is that humans all across the globe in the same time try to comfort each other and be there for each other and remind each other that like the sun will come back. (laughs) I keep joking about that, but that is in in a lot of parts of the world pretty true because it would get dark for a long time. And I can imagine before they had reasons behind that, it was probably pretty upsetting. She also has this really generous (laughs) view on uh, Halloween and like the idea of trying to scare yourself that I really like because it makes me feel better about having anxiety. (laughs) Where she basically says that for millennia, humans have just struggled constantly. They, and, and they still do in many places. And there is a little bit of that like residual like fear in everybody. And it's an important fear, but it's also a lot of the times if you are living in the type of society that we are kind of misplaced, like sure, there are moments where you can be afraid or need to fight for survival, but they're not the majority of your of your existence. So things like Halloween and things like scary movies and and anything like that can kind of give you an outlet for that type of emotion that you don't really get to express in in modern worlds but yeah i don't know it's so hard to talk about this book because there's like it is there's a lot and as we keep talking i keep thinking of all these things that i'm like i'm going to forget to mention this but it's worth bringing up (laughs) i do know that the fall chapter also focused a lot on harvest Mm -hmm. as well as on giving thanks and Mm -hmm. fasting which was interesting she talked about fasting more as that is something that she does because she comes from a Jewish heritage, mm-hmm. so they she still incorporates some secular versions of some of the Jewish traditions, and one that she felt really strongly about doing, I think once she had her daughter, mm-hmm. was the Yom Kippur fast, mm-hmm. and her husband actually joined her in doing this, which she found to be extremely moving because, <laughs> let's be real here, fasting isn't very fun. 
But for her, that was a way for her to connect with and empathize with people who do have to struggle with Mm -hmm. hunger as a real threat on a daily basis. So it was a way to kind of keep her own sense of privilege in check. And she even mentions, so her her parents did not practice, but her grandparents kind of did. And she even talks about her great-grandparents on her one of remember which side one side of her great grandparents literally starving to death and she is very close to that history and even her father's parents were they weren't destitute but they weren't well off and kind of that idea that we are very privileged to be born into a place where we never have to worry about this perhaps as her husband points out in his like little revelation for the for the fast it's too easy (laughs) to fulfill that kind of innate desire to make sure you're always well fed and like you never have to go through a period of famine like kind of 100% feast all the time but I really liked that and I feel like it mirrors a lot of the reasons that people in different religions fast like the kind of spirituality like there's this idea that like when you are physically empty like when you have not eaten that you leave room for for some of these more like metaphysical thoughts and you're not kind of like in in some cases like dulling your senses with food you get to like mull on some of these like deeper more uh, spiritual lessons and I never really thought about it that way before um we are kind of uh, fast right now with a few different there was an overlapping of Ramadan and Lent a little bit things like that it is not fall but it is a season of a lot of religions kind of taking stock and like reaffirming their their existence and their spirituality through fasting and i never i never really thought about the idea of fasting outside of a religion because like why would you not eat (laughs) if you could but i do like i really do like the way she she describes it because she says even at the end of the day the the thing fasting gives her the most is this like very deep sense of being thankful when she can eat again something that you don't really appreciate when you can literally never be hungry. Right. <laughs> you can go through your whole life and never feel hungry if you're if you're born in the right family. And a, a lot of what she's talking about is about giving back and build, building com- community even if not through religion. It feels like all the stuff kind of circles back to the idea of your family like lineage, building community around you, helping people who aren't as fortunate as you are. And all of these tenets that are very popular in religions, but but kind of how to do that in your own way. She has a lot of like musings about kind of, oh gosh, it's hard to express because she spends a lot of time in different chapters talking about family and the idea that like someone may leave and you'll never see them again. And even the idea that like to her, her dad's grandfather, like he knew him, but to her, she's not he's not really a real person. Right. He's he's like a figment. And and the idea that to her daughter, her father isn't really a real person. There are stories and things like that, but she'll never exist in a world that he existed in. And there's just so many of these like little nuggets of like <laughs> wisdom that it's really hard to talk about this book without just rambling because you just like hop from one nugget to another. Yes. Although one thing I really liked as a main takeaway, I think, was celebrating some of those smaller moments. They can still be rituals, whether it's Mm -hmm. bringing your spouse a cup of coffee in the morning and saying something pleasant to them as they wake up. Or one of my favorites was 
a lot of families look up something in a holy text. Well, mm-hmm. in her family, whenever they had a question, they just break out the encyclopedia and look <laughs> up the answer. Those kinds of things can also be significant rituals, even though they're very small. Mm-hmm. And I would argue some of the really small rituals are the ones that really build your life because they're the things you're doing most often. So if there is something that you want to bring to the forefront of your life or to your like family, purposefully making sure that's a thing that happens every day, even if it's just every time we wake up, we share a cup of coffee or we go outside and check the mail. Like it's a very small thing, but it, it it forms this kind of like way of keeping time and like acknowledging the passing of time and things like that in a very purposeful way. Another one that I really liked that she shared was not long after she and her husband got married, they were in a taxi <laughs> and their taxi cab driver started asking some random questions. But at yeah. one point, I think they were also kind of arguing about something. Mm-hmm. And their taxi driver was like, hey, do you sing to each other? And, you know, both of them kind of looked at each other like, no, we can't really sing. And he kept kind of egging them on to try to sing to each other. And the whole purpose behind it was couples can get really caught up in the mundane of Mm -hmm. everyday life or in the struggles of trying to maintain a partnership and a household and everything else. That Sometimes you need to have a goofy ritual just to reignite that sense of silliness and play that tends to get lost. And the most hilarious thing is that when they tried to express to them how bad they were at singing, he says, it doesn't matter what you sing, sing the ABCs. So that is what they sing. Yes. <laughs> they, they go through the ABCs together and, and the ridiculousness of it is what can help bring, like you said, that spark of like silliness or even just kind of like lighten the general mood of the day because of the absurdity of singing exactly. the alphabet song <laughs> with your partner. <laughs> Off key. <laughs> Off key. Yes. Very badly, I, I assume, from the way that she described it. She did not give us a sample in the audiobook no (laughs) but there are so many little things like that that she outlines a lot of it that spoke to me was about like this passing of time and how and to how to look at that as a positive because here's the problem with not being religious if you don't believe in an afterlife you're just kind of like oh boy that clock's counting down (laughs) and And it's hard to look at that as a positive unless you build this framework for yourself of like her father would say to her and and, and many people would express the brevity is what makes it important. Like every day is important because there's a finite number of days and that if you did live forever, it would kind of be boring. Like nothing would really be special because you'll run across it again sometime. And that was really important and really spoke to me because it is kind of hard to reconcile at some point when you get past your 20s and you're like ah mortality it exists (laughs) like somewhere around 24 you're like oh no (laughs) for that I feel like the the flood of hormones just kind of blocks the the idea unless something horrible happens to you or your family but it was really nice this kind of like reframing of something that is normally a negative and also kind of the intention to like not block yourself off from death because it is true that in our world like again where we are it's so easy to to move through your life without experiencing like death or having to come to terms with it unless someone you know passes away and even then it's very limited like you you kind of like 
grieve together for a moment and then all go your separate ways again. So it was really nice to kind of see this idea, a celebration of life, but also at the same time, always acknowledging the people that came before you because that does connect you kind of like to an internal chain yes. all the way back to the Neanderthals, as she as she jokes, of people who, I mean, the hard part is, is I don't want kids. So a lot of this is about her daughter and yes. kind of the, like the forward march of time and one day she'll be gone, but her DNA will be out in the world. And I'm like, mm, dang, <laughs> kind of similar DNA is out in the world. I have, I have other family members. And plus you spread your own influence by the yeah. lives that you touch through your own existence. And, yes. you know, something similar to what you're saying is also, I felt like another big theme of the book was talking about how if you remove like the religious lens of looking at how we came to be here and it mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily by design, the sheer statistical improbability that any of us would be here today. You know, <laughs> what happenstance made our parents meet each other and decide, hey, we like you enough that we want to have a kid. Yeah. It is so statistically improbable that the randomness of it kind of makes the fact that we're here today in this moment all that more special and worth, you know, treasuring. So it's true. Like the unlikeliness of it ever happening means that you you basically won not even the lottery because the lottery is way more likely to. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're more likely to win the lottery every single day than to exist, which is which is interesting to think about. But yeah, it's it's just like a really reaffirming book, especially if you don't have like the codas of a religion to follow religion to follow. But even if you do like this kind of just reaffirms that she had, at no point is like disparaging of a religion religion or or she's just kind of like that's not my thing but there's great stuff that you can learn she even has a part where she focuses about uh, focuses on the idea of like giving to others charity and things like that that comes in the fasting chapter I believe and she's like some of the best things about religion is that they're founded on this idea of like if you are in a decent place think about how lucky you are outside of religion lucky inside religion like you have been gifted with something and it's your responsibility to make sure you share the gift and, and it's just very lovely to think of the world in that way like I, like you said earlier this is kind of just like a nice cheerful book even though there is an awful lot of talk about famine and death and <laughs> and things like that it eventually kind of evens out into this very nice just positive way to continue forward and be mindful of your life. I think some of it too is, I do not think this book, like you were saying, is anti-religious at all. Yeah. But it's more examining the rituals outside of the religious lens so that you can take whatever good aspects mm -hmm. that, you know, make you appreciate the here and the now all that much more. Take those things and incorporate those into your life. And the yeah. things that don't work for you, well, they don't work. You don't have to worry about them. So. Or even recontextualizing things that you do celebrate. Like if you are part of a religion and you celebrate something kind of pulling that lens back and and thinking about why is this a thing like what am I doing it for it's really easy I'll use Lent as an example I'm not Catholic but we I, I grew up in Louisiana which is a very Catholic place it's really easy in Lent to be like okay it's Lent I have to give up something without thinking of like why do you have to do that and and unless you are really enmeshed in your faith but if you're kind of casually <laughs> faithful <laughs> it's really easy to lose that lens and kind of use that time to contemplate your place in the world which is theoretically 
the point. <laughs> One thing that's really important, so she talks a lot about things that her father did, Carl Sagan, very popular person if you don't know him, and also the fact that his mother, uh, her mother worked really closely with him on a lot of his projects, um, tends not to be credited <laughs> because that's the way the world works. And the title of the book, For Small Creatures Such As We, is actually based on a part in Contact that her mother actually is the one who wrote that line, I think she said. And the full line is, For Small Creatures Such As We, the vastness is bearable only through love. I think that is the perfect, I mean, obviously she chose it, but the perfect like encapsulation of what this book is about. And, the, and it's literally that life is really hard and it's really scary and for thousands of years humans have known that so they have built these these rituals and traditions and ways to mark time and everything like that so they can build something that is better they can pass on something that is just like lovelier (laughs) than the idea of just walking through the woods you know, scavenging for for food and trying to kill a raccoon or something. (laughs) Having that community and that connection, not just to people who are here, but people who will be here as well. Because she talks about that a lot with her daughter and also with her. I I think the I I really think it's (laughs) funny when she talks about seeing the photo album of her parents' marriage and she is like, well, where was I? And they're like, well, <laughs> you weren't born yet. And she's like, but this is a really important time in your life. How was I not there? That doesn't seem fair. And the same thing with her marriage. The idea that one day her daughter will look at her wedding album and just be like, I'm sorry, there was a period of time that you existed and I didn't. That seems rude. <laughs> and I didn't think about that. But it, but it's true that there, like, not only is there time in the future that there will be people who aren't there to celebrate things with you. It's weird to look at and think about it the other way. Like, there yeah. was a time that you weren't here to celebrate things with people that you love. Like, your parents' 16th birthday. I never would have thought about that. But you you think about this book and you're like, you know, <laughs> I did it once, you know, I missed a lot of stuff and I'll miss stuff again. But doesn't mean doesn't mean it wasn't fun. <laughs> also, if you like quotable things. Oh, full of quotes. Oh, yeah. The, she's got so many quotes in here. <laughs> it's chock and, full of quotes. You know, as a parent, too, I I really want to use this as an opportunity to rethink some of the rituals that I'm handing down to my son. Yeah. Because there are little things that we can do that might make for good lasting memories for the next generation. So And I and I think again, kind of like she says, people think it has to be something big or like splashy. I distinctly remember for a long period of time, probably when I was like a teenager, on Sundays, you know, when you would still get the Sunday newspaper, (laughs) my stepdad would wake up super, super, super early. So we would also be asleep and he would go out. He would get a morning coffee at the corner store and he would get a Sunday newspaper and he would come back with a collection of donuts for all of the children. We would wake up and just like follow our noses out like Pepe Le Pew (laughs) and just like and we would wake up and have a delicious assortment of donuts he would remember what donuts we liked he knows that I like chocolate covered donuts with the round sprinkles not the long sprinkles very particular or donut holes and my mom he would read the newspaper my mom and I would get the like ads from the middle and you know I was I was a kid so I couldn't buy anything so I loved looking at the ads because I was like ooh things I could own (laughs) and it's just something that I'm sure he was never like I'm forming a ritual it was just something we fell into but it's also something that has really stuck with me because it was something that you could rely on you know it's something that is both like I never felt like I had to get dressed up or anything it was very low-key but at the same time it was like 
I could wake up, I could be like, it's Sunday. I could not imagine, I could not express to you waking up during that period of time where we were doing that and there's no donuts. I'd be like, what's <laughs> happening? This is Sunday though, that's donut day. But it was just lovely. And it's not something that I've ever thought about in that context before, but reading this book, you kind of reevaluate like these little things that you used to have in your life or maybe that you have now that mean a lot to you. Like my friend and I go for walks on Sundays um, we do not live in the same area. We call each other on the phone. <laughs> and for about 45 minutes, we will walk and talk to each other about our day because it's really easy to, when you don't live near someone to just forget and two weeks later be like, oh my gosh, you exist. I exist. Hello. That's even easy when you live in the same town, though. It is. Yeah. And it's just things like that, that after reading this book, it feels like more important to cement things like that in your life as opposed to just like you know sitting in front of the tv or something for five hours and then being like the day is gone agreed <laughs> all right well i feel like that is a great way to end this episode i think so so i feel like i should thank you but i mean do we thank, <laughs> thank both you. of us yeah <laughs> that, that... thank you for recommending the book to me it was an excellent read thank you for reading it i it's always hard to recommend things to people it's this, it's this little moment of like, well, hopefully they like it. Because if not, oh gosh, it's a judgment on me, obviously. <laughs> no, I very much enjoyed it. And I think when I first described it to you, like as I started reading it, was it is the most spiritual, non-spiritual book I've ever read. Yes. So, so if that sounds interesting to you, grab it, pick it up. <laughs> All right. And stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye. Bye.